My man Junior on the motherfucking beat with some straight up in. Kush Hay Show. Kush Hay Show. The Kush Hay Show. The Kush Hay Show. Microdose. What's good, y'all? Kush Hayes here coming to you. New episode of the Microdose. Robin Seto, how are you doing today? Great. That's it. You're coming to us on location. <laughs> You're currently calling us from a car. You're yeah. Where 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 are you reporting from? Downtown downtown Baghdad. Uh huh. I'm I'm Ivory in. The, yeah, I'm out on the the cliffs of Dover. Cliffs of Dover. Um, My word. All, no. <laughs> That's a lot of machine gun no. fire in the background still. Yeah, you might you may hear some machine guns that sound a lot like car alarms so don't <laughs> don't worry about it all right robin <laughs> we uh we got a new thing here on the microdose first time we've ever done this we got a guest with us michael bayer coming to us with the the one more story before 12 podcast uh it's on youtube mike how you doing I, i'm doing just fine thank you for having me thanks for being on part of this man one more story before 12 i i like I like the title. I, I like the way you say it in the show. Tell us, tell us about the meaning behind the story and, and the show itself. Sure, absolutely. Well, uh, One More Story Before 12 is a true crime podcast that hopes to kind of shed light on these kind of more obscure cases that have kind of been lost to time and that people don't really talk about. And the name itself, One More Story Before 12, comes from the Carpenter film, The Fog, which is one of my favorite films. All right. Uh, and it comes from my favorite scene, actually, in the film is the opening, the first five minutes where they're all sitting around the campfire and they're hearing the story of, you know, the ship crashing into the rocks and that, you know, when the fog rolls back into town, so they'll rise. And I wanted to capture that kind of ghostly feeling around that fireplace, you know, hearing like a creepy story around the campfire. It just stuck with me so much as a kid that I decided to kind of give back and name my podcast after that one line. It really bleeds into the show too. Like it's a fun aspect of the show. Just the entire time you're you're just you're just telling the story. You're just laying down the facts. And meanwhile, there's just a snapple and this pop going on in the background. And you just like you feel like you feel like you're at the campfire. You feel like the only thing that's missing is maybe some cocoa and some s'mores. It's a creepy good time. It's, it's great for you know if you're doing other stuff. There's creepy images but it's yeah it's it's yeah the entire time you're running a slideshow during the yeah 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 it's it's a good visual uh you're you're currently talking about the beast of jersey it's a it's currently a three-parter the first two parts are out i've only seen part one tell us a little bit about the beast of jersey as opposed to the jersey devil (laughs) (laughs) the beast of jersey came about in a kind of interesting way um one time on the internet, I just found this very creepy picture of this mask and this wig and like these nail studded cloth thingies around an arm. And I thought, my God, this is creepy because it reminded me of all those old vintage Halloween costumes that you'd see from the 1920s or the 1930s. And I said, all right, well, I got to find out, you know, I wasn't expecting to find out anything about it. I thought that's oh, just some costume somebody made and there wasn't going to be much to it. But by happy coincidence, I found out about a man called Edward Paynell, who was a serial rapist and by all accounts, probably a murderer too, mm-hmm. um, even though that was never proven in court. And the more I read about this story, you know, it was like something straight out of a horror novel, the way he would dress up breaking into home, homes, wearing this getup and Hollywood 
looked at this and said, hey, this is ripe for exploitation, you know, let's get this onto the big screen. And I started digging into it. And a lot of the books that I had to get on the subject matter are old and old out of print, written in the 70s. His wife, even at the time, wrote a book about him. And it turns out he led a very kind of strange, bizarre double life. On one hand, he was a very much pillar of the community, respected and admired by a lot of individuals on the island and viewed as a sort of, you know, trustworthy man who would dress up as Santa Claus and go to the kids and give out gifts. On the other hand, he would put on this get up and you know is silent night deadly night based on this guy (laughs) (laughs) innocent question i'm sorry if that seems silly (laughs) (laughs) i honestly wouldn't be surprised like i said it was just such a strange story that i thought you know i kind of had to get it out there but i kind of wanted to focus first more on Mm -hmm. the victims and the people who were directly kind of hurt by him and in the second episode I talked about somebody who was indirectly kind of accused of being the beast of Jersey and how they had their lives pretty much ruined and destroyed by him. So I kind of wanted to focus on that and then get into kind of him later down the road, so to speak. Mm-hmm. True crime seems to be a really, really fast taking genre. Like we've always had like unsolved mysteries and things like that, but going back, back to the A's, I'm sure there's stuff before then even, but lately they're just like investigative discovery and other things like that. What is it about the macabre that fascinates us? What 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 is it that draws us to this? Because people people love eat this stuff up. It's the taboo aspect of it, I think. And I think a lot okay. of people are drawn to it because it's so unorthodox, so out of the ordinary. I come from a more boring, I guess, perspective on it because I was always very much into history. Mm -hmm. Uh, American history, European history, whatever it might be, I was fascinated by it. And growing up, I was always into the outlaws of the Wild West and the mobsters of the 30s and from the mafia in the 50s and the 60s and 70s. Growing up in Jersey and growing up in Lodi, I would hear a lot of stories from friends who said they knew guys who were in the life. And from there on, I just kind of shifted, I guess, into serial killers. But it, it's never a case, I think, with most people, you know, I can only answer for myself and why I'm interested. I kind of go from certainly, I guess, a, a dark point of view, but I'm also interested in the history of it, of the who, the where, the what, and why. Why at this time period, why the case happened, why it kind of turned out the way it did. And I know for a lot of people, there's also that, you know, from a young age, we're almost pumped with images of horror, be it through music, television, Mm -hmm. films, comic books, you name it, TV show. And it's so readily available out there that I think, you know, it's not like in the old days where you had to wait around for some kind of late night program. Mm -hmm. Now everything is a mouse click away. So I think a lot of time, the information kind of grows and snowballs and passes off. The problem is that this also causes a lot of misinformation. I notice people repeat half-truths or mm-hmm. lies that have long bunked. So, you know, you take the good with the bad, I suppose. You got, uh, you're got you wrapping up The Beast of Jersey. Episode 2 just dropped this previous Monday, if I'm not mistaken. Part mm-hmm. 3 coming up soon. What do you cover after this? Well, after this, I have actually three planned topics. I really planned ahead. Uh, next episode, after I'm done with the Beast of Jersey, is going to be something a little different. It's um, I'm going to be speaking to a man from Alabama who communicated with the British serial killer Dennis Nilsson, 
and communicated with him for a good few years, writing letters, exchanging letters with him back and forth. And Dennis Nilsson is really popular now because recently a British uh, TV show starring David Tennant of Doctor Who fame premiered and mm-hmm. it kind of got a lot of people talking. So I thought this might be a good time to tap into the mainstream. And it's actually one of the subjects of the book I'm writing about that I'll be talking about. The other is a case in Germany that I'm working with uh, a friend of mine to see if I can do a bit of more research on it. So I have some interesting things planned. I, I don't want to cover, you know, <laughs> Bundy, Dom, or Gacy and all those guys, because, you know, they've had everything from podcasts yeah. to movies to Dahmer versus Gacy movies, you know, so I was like, <laughs> I, I, I have nothing yeah. of value to add anymore. To, to where, where do you stand on Richard Ramirez, the Night Stalker? You know, not, not a particularly pleasant guy. And <laughs> not so much. I, I asked because I mean, that was I mean, that was the big know, that was the big boogeyman when I was growing up. Um, I, and I was so young that when he was in the common knowledge, like they they showed a that wanted sketch of his, and I didn't really know the difference between like a photo and a sketch. So I thought that was the legitimate Night Stalker, just this this weird dude, just just an outline, <laughs> kind of got a glow about him. But yeah, that motherfucker's like <laughs> creeping into my window. Um, again, I'm five six at the oldest so you know we're we don't understand everything necessarily we think he-man's also a real guy wandering <laughs> but I, I just wonder where, where where he might be on your uh your your queue ramirez is a is a case that i'm very i mean you know very familiar that i'm quite familiar with but again because it's been kind of done to death explored okay. talked about delved into i don't give it as much attention as i would like i said because he's part of that echelon of the big names and I'm interested in the cases that are kind of a little bit more to the wayside because I find there's more rewarding material. And sometimes you'll find people who are willing to talk about it. Mm-hmm. As for so Ramirez for himself, um, yeah. yes, yes. You know, I'm not the, I'm not the big popular band. I'm the smaller band that like three people only care about, you know, because they're not very good. <laughs> maybe, but hey, maybe you got like a song or two that's, you know, and, and I don't know this and I'm not trying to do it like, oh, look at me. I'm so out of the mainstream look at how cool and chic i am you know it's not that it's just Mm -hmm. it's as a historian what i like to do like i I can't think of anything more fun than sitting over old court documents from the 20s (laughs) and 30s and you know like that's my idea of a good time i'm sorry you know Mm -hmm. and i just like reading and sharing some of the stuff maybe overly sharing sometimes Mm -hmm. but it's what i like to do but as for ramirez himself as I told somebody else, the quintessential edgelord. I mean, anybody who carves a pentagram into their hand and says, you know, see you, at, see you in Disneyland is like definitely aimed for that edgelord demographic. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Episodes drop every other week? Try to do them every two, every three weeks. Okay. A lot of kind of research goes into it. And then I have a pretty hectic schedule with where I work, so I don't always have enough time. Go for that quality. But I'm Go trying to make quality. more time now with, you know, everything kind of going on in the world. Mm-hmm. Is it only available on YouTube or can we find them on iTunes and Google Play and et cetera? Or? As of right now, it's only on my YouTube channel, One More Story Before 12. But after the third episode drops, I'm going to come through and release it as this big two, two and a half hour block on Spotify. Oh, far know? out. All right. So okay. uh, again, I'm not that. doing this for like any any money or anything. It's more of like you know, hey, if somebody can get some kind of information and interest out of this, I hope it helps. 
projects a project, my man. Oh, hell yeah. It's some great shit. It's very interesting. I've always really enjoyed learning about kind of real life scary shit. <laughs> I watch a lot of forensic files because it's just always on. If you like the forensic files, you will like uh, this one more story before 12 podcast. I, I was definitely, definitely interested in like how much detail you did go into. And I was just like, ah. So, <laughs> um, yeah. So you're getting two thumbs up here on on this side. Oh, yeah. Let's lighten the mood a little bit. Robin, you got a game for us today? We have a, a brand new edition, a special edition of Robin Soto's Cameo Party. Yeah. Yeah. There'll be some music here. Beep, 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 there we beep, go. Beep, beep. Robin Soto's Cameo Party. Robin special... Settles cameo party. What, what do you got for us today, Robin? What's, <laughs> what's the word? This is our special spooky edition of the cameo party. Mm-hmm. So what I've done this, this week is I've gone on to cameo and I've searched specifically for horror related actors on here. Uh, and I think it will be pretty fun for us to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And, and for those joining us for the first time, break down the rules, Robin Soto. All right. So it's it's basically Price is Right rules. Uh, we want to get as close as we can to the price without going over. So I have four here. If there's a tie, we'll, we'll have a tiebreaker. Exciting. And, and yeah, well, it said so. Yeah, yes, the, the prices range from one to like $5,000. So there's your range to guess from um that's that's just that's all of cameo not not this specific round just all of cameo uh so so i just want to say for when we when we started doing the the robin seto (laughs) cameo party like something happened where the the minimum bid you could find was like 20 bucks so since (laughs) since since the last six weeks Somebody has lowballed the hell out of themselves all the way down to a dollar is what I'm hearing. Yeah, like I went and I searched and I, you can sort the actors by price and it, you, there's people all the way down to like a buck. It's pretty sad. That's, that's amazing. Uh, <laughs> of course, I don't I, know. I remember in a previous episode, uh, you guys mentioned that Bob Saget was uh, doing cameo. And when I heard what he was charging, I was... I was so upset with Bob Saget because I read his book and he's so open-hearted and altruistic. And then I heard what he's charging and I thought, this is despicable, Bob Saget. To be ashamed of I never did any extra research on that, but I, I want to say he's he's that dude who's like going to give it all to some sort of charity. But don't quote yeah. me on that. He may just be like sitting on bags of cameo money now, just like Scrooge McDuck. Like, it's all mine. No, no, I, 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 lo- I love Bob Saget, but like, just like John Lovett, like, never kind of pass up an opportunity to just kind of, you know, shit on. <laughs> all right. So let's get this party started. Uh, Coming at us first. 
the Shining Twins, and that's what they're listed on uh, <laughs> in Cameo as the Shining <laughs> Twins. The the sad thing is, is that I almost had a chance to meet the Shining Twins because they were at a horror convention I was at what? back in 2014. <laughs> and they were a hundred dollars, like like it wasn't ex super expensive, or it might have been even lower than that. But I'm going, you know, off of a six-year memory. But I'm going to say a hundred okay. for their cameo. Hundred. Okay. Well, Mike's got a hundred. I. All right. I have never seen The Shining all the way through. Much like Jaws, I've, I, I know about it through cultural osmosis. So I know of the twins. I read the book back in middle school. Book was incredibly scary. One of, that and Cujo were like the only things that like actually shook me uh, <laughs> as far as anything uh, horror-wise goes. I have never thought about The Shining twins, but they would actually have like some sort of cult of personality following. Dare, um, dare I even say there'd be some sort of fetish about the Shining Twins, just some sort of weird, like, oh yeah, twins. Just, <laughs> yeah, the whole Twins gimmick. So, The Shining, huge cult classic. Jack Nicholson, Shelley Duvall, obviously, um, my man Kubrick. This movie has documentaries about it on just theories about crazy shit that went into this movie. Having said that, The Shining Twins, I'm gonna say they're charging two fifty a pop. Two fifty, okay. Yeah, or two hundred and fifty total, excuse me. Oh, uh, for for the Shining Twins, well, <laughs> for one hundred and twenty-five dollars, you can get a Shining Twins cameo. Wow, that seems like a discount, Michael. Right, two for. They they, they went up a little bit. Seventy-five of a pop. <laughs> right. All right, moving on. We have one Linnea Quigley cameo. Oh, oh, she's like from like Return of uh, Naked Return of the Living Dead. I want to get torn apart by old men. Um, <laughs> this is what my life's knowledge is just you know accumulating all this great you know useless trivia and information that I learned from conventions. Uh, Linnea Quigley was. It's actually gone up in price from what I remember. I said a friend of mine paid, I want to say about 200. Oh, 200? Wow. Yeah, that's what I'm going to go for a cameo. Like, okay. she's one of those, I guess, screen queen legends at this point, and I know that she can charge quite a bit. I'd say 200. 200. Okay. I think that's a, I think that's a good price. Like Linnea Quigley, I didn't know a name until maybe a couple of years ago on a Red Letter Media when they did a, a review on it. <laughs> I had only seen Return of the Living Dead maybe less than a decade ago now. And uh, I, I've always seen the box in the video store. And it was just something that never came up until a woman we were dating was just like, we're watching this tonight. I was like, okay. We, when we get to Linnea Quigley's dance number, I, <laughs> I just looked over at my, my, my future fiance and I went, I, I totally get why people like this because she's just full frontal, oh, yeah. bare, bare wax, like Linnea Quigley. She is revolutionary, groundbreaking. She she she's a trendsetter. Two hundred and one dollars. Two hundred and one. Okay. <laughs> well, <laughs> for one hundred dollars, one hundred dollars, uh, you can get a little quickly cameo. I, again, I feel like that's a huge discount. Bust. Point goes to Mike. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on, we have Nick Castle. Who played the original Mike Myers in Halloween? Okay, Nick Castle. Uh, 
sweet guy. I think he actually had some kind of cameo in the newest one. I don't remember in what scene. Uh, Nick Castle's great because with age, he's just kind of gotten smaller. And he's rocking this great <laughs> 70s stash. And he's always sipping on his Coke, you know. Oh, yeah. Um, he's, he's, he's such a sweet guy because he's like, he's always so bemused that, oh, I did. It was just, I, I put on a mask and I did <laughs> some walk. Like, I'm not in that. Of course, he doesn't talk like that. I don't know why he sounds like, uh, I don't know, um, yeah. Wilfred Brown or something when I do that <laughs> voice. But Nick Castle, he was charging $75 last I remember. Mm-hmm. So right, I would that's... do somewhere around that price range, 75 Okay. All right. Mm-hmm. I've never heard of Nick Castle. And uh, before Michael... Gave, gave us the information he did give. I would have imagined he had the same cult following as a Kane Hodder. Mm-hmm. However, Kane Hodder, not the first Jason in the Friday the first the thirteenth franchise. He's the third or the fourth. But you never hear <laughs> about the first Jason that much. So I wouldn't believe we would hear much about the first Michael Myers. As as you just tell us, he, he seems like a very humble guy. I'm gonna say Fifty bucks. I'm, I'm going to say he's he, he's he's reflected on the COVID happening here. He knows everyone's not working exactly. He's he still needs to get some money, so he'll take anything he can. So he he's he's giving everyone a discount. Fifty bucks for for Michael Myers first. Nick Castle. All right. Okay. Okay. Well, for exactly seventy five dollars, you can get a Nick Castle cameo. What? Wow. Wow. <laughs> He did it. Oh. You got it. He done it. <laughs> First game I've won in my entire life. Yay. <laughs> did it. Yay. Robin Bell's Cameo Party. All right. So that was our party. That was the Robin Cameo Party. Yeah. Yeehaw! We done. This. Congratulations to Michael Bay here. You can find Yay. him on YouTube at One More Story Before Twelve. Uh, is there a Twitter account? Is there a Facebook link, Michael? Uh, that's that's all. Just a YouTube account. I'm trying to keep it as a, as low key for now. You know, before subscribe, kinda, like, uh, hit the bell, all that shit. One More Story Before Twelve. Currently, current story: Beast of Jersey. It's it's a creepy one. I suggest if you've never heard of it, investigate it. Robin Cito, what are you doing on the network these days? On the network these days, I'm doing a little beer reviews called Polite Beer Reviews. Those go up on Wednesdays. And uh, yeah, every week I do a little bit of a fluffy piece on some different craft beer. Uh, They're fun, quick, easy reads. And uh, yeah, they're just fun and informational. And Robin Cito enjoys her craft beer. So far, the lowest review she's given is a four out of five. So if if you pop up on this, you 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 you're probably gonna have a good day. So Robin Cito loves her craft beer. Uh, Kush Hayes, you can find me on Twitter at Kush underscore Hayes. I don't do much there, but sometimes I do movie reviews. You can find those on the Bosnet dot family. I've been Kush Hayes for for Michael Bayer, Robin Cito. <laughs> who are you? Outstanding. <laughs> we did it. Cycle on. We did it. My man Junior on the motherfucking beat.
with some straight up Kush Hay Show. Kush Hay Show. The Kush Hay Show. The Kush Hay Show. Microdose. The Bosnet family. You know, no, no, not a particularly pleasant guy. And <laughs> not so much.